Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of hashtag my investing story. Hi, my name is Ann McNeil and I am the master wealth builder, helping you to build stronger and better lives and businesses. And I'm very excited to be hosting another episode of my investing story with Diana McNeil. And as always, we bring you the very best in volunteers and or just regular individuals who are willing to come on and share with all of us their investing story. And today we have another guest for you, but let me share just a little bit about better investing. We as volunteers, we're not selling anything. We're not day traders. We're not stockbrokers. We're very simply volunteers who are willing to share investment education. And Better Investing, our mission as a nonprofit organization, our mission is to educate individual investors and investment clubs to become successful, long, lifelong, life, life, lifelong investors. And we talked about that as a little earlier because many of us have been around for a lifelong, if you will. But it was founded, the organization was founded in 1951 as the National Association of Investment Clubs, better known as NAIC, now known as Better Investing. And the organization has helped over five, yes, five million individuals from all walks of life learn how to improve our financial future and yours too, if you want to get involved with investment education. But the association was born of the conviction that anyone, and that's anyone, everyone can become a successful lifelong stock investor. And so whether you're experienced investing in investing, or if you are just starting, Better Investing definitely is a place for you to start, no matter where you are. But tonight, Ioni and I would like to introduce to some of you, and for those of you that are volunteers, you may already know our guest is none other than Robin Weir. And Robin um, was a senior executive at, yes, our favorite place for mail, yes, UPS, and uh, United States Postal Service, uh, not UPS, but United States Postal Service, <laughs> with a career spanning 38 years. And she held leadership positions and sales and training and development and many, many, many other positions. But as a part of the lifelong investment we talked about, she has been in finance and many other positions in the organization but she's also helped her coworkers and friends and family understand personal finance and the options that they have. So I could go on and on and on about her career, but I'd like to also share that, and I only would get into this. She was a part of the 96ers LLC and joined NAIC, better known as Ben Investing. So after retiring, she's now started another investment club and a number one volunteer for the Better Investing North Florida chapter. So with that, I'll turn it over to Ioni and uh, introduce you to our special guest tonight. Good evening, Ioni. How are you? I'm well. Good evening. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. Good. Well, uh, hello, Robin. How are you? 
I'm doing great. <laughs> good, good. Well, we're excited to have you. We're always <clears throat> excited that uh, when a Better Investing uh, volunteer says yes to be on um, hashtag my investing story because as um, as a better investing volunteer, you know our stories are always so so unique. We're not just members of the organization, but we have chosen to serve, um, uh, and a lot of times selfishly, because we want to learn even more. And so we've decided to become volunteers uh, for for better investing to help others, which ends up helping ourselves. So. Um, could you talk to us about the very first time you uh, came across Better Investing? Sure. It was 1996. I was going for my MBA uh, with a group of people. And as we began to graduate for MBA, we uh, had heard about the Beardstown ladies. And we had read the book. And we decided to form an investment club. And it was called the 96ers. We created an LLC and um, we stayed uh, as an investment club till about 2013. A lot of us moved on, you know, changed jobs, moved to different places. Internet wasn't as great, you know, but it's really good now. And just people, you know, faded out. And recently I decided I'm going to uh, open up another club. About two and a half years ago, I was speaking with uh, several women that I run with and said uh, they were talking about their investment challenges. And I said, well, you know, I'm a member of Better Investing. I really love to invest. Maybe we should form an investment club. And they said, well, tell us all about it. And I brought like 15 women into a room and explained it and said, who wants to sign up? And they all raised their hand. So wow, uh, it's, been, it's been a couple of years of learning for us, but we're doing very well. So wow. Yeah. Now. Now, I have to ask this question. You were already in an investment club. What made you say, let's start another investment club as opposed to just saying, oh, here's better investing. You should join on your own. You all should start one on your own. What made you say, no, let's start one together? It's interesting. There was a young lady in my group who started a Facebook page, which was a place where women within our running community could ask questions about their money and financial situations. Like they're gonna buy a car, you know, how do I go to a, a dealership and make the deal with the, with the dealership? They wanted to buy a house. So we started meeting and discussing and putting these questions up on Facebook. And then we just decided to create a little investment group out of that. And then after I told them what I was doing, they're like, we really should start an investment club. And I really like helping women to really come into their own when it comes to investing and really be able to manage their own finances. So I thought this, that was an ideal opportunity and I grabbed it. Excellent. So when you started and or helped to start this second investment club, were you the only experienced investor and in, in the only experienced investment club person? Was everybody else new to the idea and the concept and the membership of, of an investment club or did anyone have any prior experience? Everybody was brand new. 
and uh, many of them were even concerned about their own 401ks. They really didn't understand a lot about investing. A couple of them had a financial manager or their spouse, you know, basically manage their finances. And they basically wanted to learn more about it. And they jumped in. I have to say, they really didn't know a lot, but we put a really good kind of an aggressive training program together for them. And they had to really work hard the first year and a couple people kind of decided it's not for me, but we hung on to 12 and um, they stuck, stuck it out. And the next year it got easier because they learned. And I could tell you that they learned a lot and they did really a great job. And all of my members, uh, I think they're doing fabulous. Wow, that's phenomenal. So you started out with 15? Uh-huh. And within the first year, you had a little bit of attrition, but you kept 12. Yes. Uh, talk to us about maybe some of the um, learning experiences for that first year. And I, want, I, I, would, like, I, I would like you to share it because um, I know the South Florida Chapter Model Investment Club, we just celebrated one year uh, in September and we had majority um first-time investors and first-time investment club members in our club as well. And it was just a slow process. It was good, but it was a slow process. And I don't think people really realize that when you start this journey, even though you want to learn a lot, it, it just comes with time. So talk to us about, you know, the journey of, of your running women, uh, women uh, who started in this investment club. I will tell you that we put together, we actually went on to Better Investing and looked at the classes that were available already online. And then we, we started them off with the jargon, very simple, understanding the terminology like price to earnings ratio and earnings per share. We started them with that class. And then every month when we met, we actually had you go over another class. And we would actually, um, every month we had a class we had to watch and come to the meeting and discuss the class that we, we learned about. And I also made them read a book called Take Stock. Uh, and actually every month we came in and we had a few chapters of that book. And I discussed the chapters, we talked about the chapter, we talked about the, the video that we watched, the learning video. And uh, that was really how we learned. And uh, it really gave me a great refresher. And then I was able to really give them the information they needed worked well. Wow, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. I know I jumped right into the middle of, uh, of your story, uh, uh, talking about the details of your second investment club, which is uh, the Winning About Money Investment Club. But I actually want to take, um, take you all the way back to, you know, where were you born, the decade that you were born in, how you were raised and if money was talked about in your household or not? I will tell you, I was born in the 60s and um, we had a five children in the family. My dad worked for the postal service. So my mom was an at-home mom. Uh, they scraped together $5 from five friends to buy a home, <laughs> okay? And they always struggled. And I sat there and was like, wow, and I was like a sensitive kid, even at like four or five years old, watching their struggle. And by the time I was seven, by the time I was 11, I had a little part-time job. I had a paper route 
And my dad's like, save all your money. We opened the savings account. And by the time I was like 17, I had enough money to actually buy a car. And my dad said, you're going to actually finance that car so you can get credit. So I think he did a really good job of starting me off, even though basically he struggled with a lot of this financial stuff, but he put his kids like get ready and be able to do the things you want to do. And, uh, you know, I think he watching my family go through money struggles. I said, I don't really want to go through that. <laughs> so I'm going to have to get a good job. And I went to work for the Postal Service and it was a great job. And it really served me well over 38 years. I, you know, did well in that job. And I learned a lot about uh, saving and investing, you know, as I went along. By the time I was 30, I was starting to think about purchasing stocks. And, you know, I was a big saver. And I had to do something with that money besides sitting in the sit in the savings account. I wanted that money to work for me as hard as I was working for the postal service. Excellent. Let's take you back to high school. You know, you had jobs uh, throughout school, middle school, high school, and you saved up enough to finance this car. Um, walk us through that process of of learning about money, learning about debt. Uh, learning about a car loan and, you know, buying at the time, you know, we wouldn't consider it at the time a depreciating asset, but, you know, buying a depreciating asset. What was that experience like for you? And what were some of those lesson, lessons learned when you went through that? I would think um, the biggest thing is never to go into debt. I didn't want to ever be in debt because I watched some of that as a child. And I said, I really don't want to be struggling paying someone interest, you know, so save your money. And when you have enough money, buy what you need to buy. And when my dad told me, you have to finance that car, that didn't make me very happy. <laughs> and he said, you know, finance it anyway, we'll get a low interest rate and you'll actually build a credit line and then you can buy a house someday. And I thought that was a really great idea. Um, but it was really like, how do I stay out of debt and not use credit cards and, you know, I could have a mortgage and maybe a car payment and that's basically it and stay away from the credit cards. And I did have a time as a, as a young adult using the credit cards and thinking that was a good idea. And uh, I ran up some credit and it was hard to pay the minimum payment sometimes. And I said, you know what, I'm going to actually not, I'm never going to buy anything unless I can pay for it. I even went to college on my money and I, if I could, if I didn't have enough money to pay for the class, I didn't take the class. So I actually basically went through college young uh, and I paid for my courses as I went forward. And I also worked at the postal service at that time. So I just said, I'm just not gonna go into debt. And I've made that a pretty good mantra for myself for my entire life. Wow, phenomenal, phenomenal. And thank you for sharing, you know, even, even the credit card part of the story, because, um, you know, we think it's important that every little thing along the way that helps you wake up to another way to do something um, is important. Um, and I'm glad you also shared that um, you work through college, because I'm always interested in finding out from people when the light bulb went on, went on for them about investing, usually the light bulb is already on for saving. Mm -hmm. um, and like you mentioned, you know, you always been a saver about, you know, just learning from the struggles of your parents. But was it a coworker 
um, mentioning mm -hmm. something to you when you started at, at, at um, USPS, you know, could you join the, the retirement plan there? Uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, that experience about when you even found out about investing, what was investing even in your mind before you learned it? Because a lot of times it's like, it's them over there, or it's something about Wall Street, or, you know, it's something very separate and dis distant than, you know, who we are. I'll tell you that early on, when I started with the Postal Service, they have a fabulous pension back in that time. And I do have a fabulous pension. And uh, what happened was, I was buying, my dad said, buy U.S. savings bonds. You know, in addition to what you're saving, you know, buy these bonds. And I had a lot of bonds. <laughs> so I bought all these bonds. And I was doing that really for like 10 or 15 years. And I had my pension on the side and I had these bonds. And, you know, one day um, I'm, I'm in a job where I'm doing a lot of computer work. And a coworker and I were arguing between two very popular stocks, Apple and Microsoft. I was 30 years old and we argued all day about which one was better. He loved Apple, I loved Microsoft. We kept arguing about it. And by the time we got through our argument, we decided we were both gonna buy some shares of both of those companies. We had no idea what we were doing, but we did it. And we said, okay, let's see what happens. I actually still have some of both of those stocks because it's like my first ones. And, uh, and this is in the 70s, um, I mean, the 80s? This is uh, in actually in 1990. Okay, in top of 1990, like, beautiful. Yeah, I'm 30, yeah, so 1990. So I bought them very early on. And then I decided to go for my master's degree after that. And that's when I started learning a lot about more about personal finance with the people I was going to school with. I mean, a lot of them were very well, well off. There were doctors in there that wanted to learn, get their MBA, actually medical doctors. Uh, there were business people who had businesses, but they really wanted their MBA. And then we learned about this investment club and we're like, let's do this and learn this collectively. And we did. And I think that's important to note because even though you were going through the process of getting your MBA, the curriculum was not teaching you investing. It was exposure to your peers. And then was that when you found out about the Beerstown Lady book? Exactly. That's okay. exactly. I was about 36 years old at the time. And I was like, wow, this looks pretty good. Yeah. And, and, the, and the reason I think that's important is because you know, and as you can probably attest, you didn't learn the majority of your own personal investing by getting an MBA. Right. You know, a lot of people go back to school thinking that, you know, a specific degree is going to teach them how to invest. No, it's, it, it may teach you how to get a job investing other people's money or investing a corporation's money, but um you know, how did, how did you kind of bridge that gap? Well, you know, talk to us about that experience, you know, being with your peers, your colleagues in MBA school. Um, you decided to create an investment club out of that or from them or? As a, as a group, we, we developed it together. We put it together together. The real thing about it though, I had already been working like 15 or like 17 years. And I was, I really didn't have a brokerage account or anything like that. And now these, these guys had like financial advisors and, 
you know, they didn't really trust their financial advisor. I hate to say that. And they wanted to know more about it so that they could see whether their financial advisor was doing what was in their best interest. Right. And so they go, you want to come along, Robin? And I'm like, sure. And I'll tell you, when I started doing it right away, I started learning very quickly. And I said, I should have been doing this when I was 20. I should have been in investing in the stock market when I was 20 years old. Because what could I have done over these 16 years? I lost a lot of time, in my opinion. Now, I try to really reach down to my, my relatives and my friends and their children to start as soon as you can, you get a job. Start thinking about your, your retirement nest egg. And let's learn that and understand that. And let that compounding, you know, give you a great future. And, um, <laughs> you know, I wish I could have done it at 20 years old. You know, I saved a lot in a simple bank account with CDs, et cetera. You know, and I'm like, I could have done so much better had I um, learned more, you know. You know, you bring up an interesting point because as you may remember, and as you probably hear now, many people don't invest in the stock market because they don't feel it's safe, mm -hmm. right? Many people that have not yet started investing are going off of what their parents said or their grandparents from the Great Depression, it's not safe. But all investors I know, especially better investors that I know, if they have started investing, they're like, I wish I should have did it earlier. Talk to us a little bit more about this missed opportunity of time. Um, I mean, granted, you, you can't do what you don't know how to do, right? So we're not condemning your 20-year-old self. But... Um, you know, I, I, if you could just talk a little bit about that logic, because I think that's a, why a lot of people start late, because there's just this distrust or this fear. There's a fear of the stock market. And what I, what I do every year now since I became a volunteer is I teach in April financial literacy. And it's getting down, back down to compounding interest. Uh, a graphic of the stock market from 1929 to now, almost 100 years. And if you really look at that graphic, it's gone up 10% a year, <laughs> even though there was, you know, the Vietnam War, the, the oil embargo, you know, the, the, uh, the thing that happened in 2000 with um, technology stock. Dot com bubble. Mm -hmm. You know, the 2008 when, you know, the mortgage crisis, and, you know, you, you, when you look at the chart, they're like little blips on the screen of this 10% a year. And I try, I try to show that chart to people when they're like fearing the stock market and say, yeah, there are times where the stock market, you're going to hear things. It's not going to look like it's doing so great. But when you really look at it over time, which is what you're investing in, you're investing over time. Uh, when you look at it that way, you see a whole different picture. And don't fear it find good quality companies with the very good fundamentals, use the process that I learned if you want to, and you will find good companies that will offer you a great return over your 20 years or whatever your runway is. And the younger people are, the more I'm trying to encourage them into that. I had my, a cousin of mine just joined our investment club. She has two small children. They're six months old 
and two years old. And uh, this week she opened up a, an account, a 529 account for each of them with basically their christening money. So they have a little 529 started for themselves and um, she wants to learn how to, so we're starting them at six months old and two years old. <laughs> so. I love it. No, that's, I think that's beautiful. And I'm, I'm again, I'm so grateful to you for sharing the message. Cause I think that you know, even with the even with the fear that a lot of people have about investing and the unknown, you know, they don't they don't know about the market. Um, it's just so much volatility. It's just wonderful to hear your story about how you are on a very small scale talking to your family members and friends, and not just telling them what to do, but inviting them in and saying, "Hey, we have." two investment clubs, join one of them or, you know, answering people's questions. Cause I think that in this day and age and with this information, people really have to be guided. You know, mm -hmm. you can't, it's not just sufficient for many people to just point them and say, Hey, go do this, go read that book. Um, mm -hmm. You know, finance can bring up so much emotion. Money can bring up so much, you know, baggage. Uh, history and, and feelings that um, I think people feel safer when they are talking to or listening to somebody that they know, like, and trust or um, have some type of prior relationship with. Mm -hmm. I know that you are a, a lover of learning because even after you retired from the United States Postal uh, Service, you ended up uh, completing your certified financial planner course. Uh, are you a registered CFP or did I, you just take the course? I am not. I took the course thinking, okay. like, what am I learning here? And uh, I wanted to be smarter about finance. And I saw like I could look at retirement insurance plans. I mean, it covers a lot of, you know, different financial aspects. And I went in there thinking maybe I want to do this, you know, in my future. And I really don't need to. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't know if I want to invest. They said, oh, well, you have to work for three years at like a mortgage, like at a, a company, a broker. Right. In the career working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go back and start another career. And I know mm -hmm. myself, once I get engaged, I can't stop. So I was like, no, I need to put the brakes on this. I took my exams. I passed everything. And then I just said, this is just extra information for me that I can use, you know, in my future to maybe help others. And I don't have to have a CFP and I don't have to work, you know, and that's, I thought I was going to go become a CFP. And instead I opened up another investment club and I'm very satisfied with that. <laughs> exactly. And that this is why I'm actually asking the question because I'm actually more interested in you sharing what you learned in the process of taking the certified financial planner course and what you can convey to people, even more so than it being a career, you know, because I think that the self-education you've done thus far for the past 20 plus years, being a better investing member, and then also to do the CFP, what do you think is important to share with people, especially going through the material and learning um, to even, you know, take the course and, and pass the exams? 
I think, you know, to share with people, everybody needs an emergency fund. Okay, everybody needs to understand their own insurance needs, whether it's for their vehicle, their home, their, their job, understanding their insurance. Everybody needs to have a retirement strategy and plan. And once you start investing into your retirement, you have to say, I'm not touching that money. That's going to stay there and I'm going to touch it when I retire. Okay. And then from all this, I learned a lot about the different retirement plans, the different insurance, uh, a lot about this, you know, different, you know, vehicles you can invest in. So really, and a broad view of even the psychology and the behavior of people who invest money or people who are saving. And I just, you know, I would tell people, you know, I, I tell the younger people in my family, start investing in your retirement now. As soon as they're, they have a job at 20, they have to understand that 401k thing that their company is offering them. There are so many people I know that they have no idea what's in their 401k, how much they're putting in it and what it means. They just, you know, they get the job and they go, would you like to put money in your 401k? We'll match it 3%. Okay, I'll put 1% in. So what I really want them to understand is you better match it. Otherwise you're leaving money on the table, you know, and these are the kind of things we don't teach in school. We don't teach our children and people, everybody needs to know this. Even my own investment club members, they don't really know what's in their 401k or how it's invested. And that is a little bit scary to me. And I will tell you when I was 20 or 25, I didn't know either, you know, so how can we get that message out? to young people as they start a job. And you know, your company might be very conservative with your retirement funds. And when you're 20 years old, you really don't have to be that conservative. <laughs> so just understanding what the stock market can do for them and understanding that value of compounding. And I think going to, for my CFP, kind of put a whole picture together for me to help people, not just for better investing, you know, but for their financial picture. And I never tell anybody what to do. I tell them what their options are and then they can go pick what they want to do, you know? Well, I have a few questions now from the CFP tree uh, we're climbing. Um, one is, how has your perspective on the value of better investing changed now that you have completed that CFP course? Okay, I think um, for the CFP courses, one piece of it really is the whole investing portion of the CFP. It's got like six different categories, retirement, investing, um, just behavioral issues, insurance, you know. So the one piece of it is the investing, but you cannot forget the retirement. You cannot forget the emergency fund. You know, so it really like it helps people put the entire picture together of their financial picture. And it helped me start to convey that even for my own sake, like making sure I had all of my T's crossed and I's dotted. And then also being able to send that message out to the people I care about and anybody really, you know, anybody who wants to learn, I care about them. <laughs> You know, so I love that. I love that. <laughs> now, now, my next question is, and you know, I'm I'm trying to get as much out of you from the CFP perspective as possible, especially since 
you took the course, but you, you, it's not a business of yours. And so I'm just trying to get as much of the course out of you to share with our listeners. Um, is there a difference or what is the difference between the uh, between the options people have being low income earners and high income earners, is there a difference? And if so, what are the differences? I don't know if there's really a difference. I think that it's what you can afford based on what your income is, and you know, it doesn't matter what you can afford. Whether you can only afford ten dollars a week where you can afford $1,000 a month, it doesn't matter. You know, the, the basics of having an emergency fund, uh, the basics of, you know, understanding that you can invest and what can you afford. Anybody can open up a brokerage account with a few hundred dollars and start it. You know, everybody should understand the 401k that they're getting from their company. You know, so it doesn't matter how much you're making, you know, you put whatever you can afford you know, to put at a given time based on your life circumstances. So, I mean, some people might have higher income, but they might also have higher expenses because they bought a bigger house, they have three children, you know, they have a child in college, you know, so it does, it's what can you afford and pay yourself first. And by paying you, paying yourself first is making sure that you have something for yourself as you go forward so that you're not a burden to anybody in your family and you have actually have a plan for yourself. And then everybody else that you wanna help or whatever comes after that, so. I love that answer because I wanted to address everybody because I think that everybody that's listening and has listened to the show in the past, there's this idea of the other. I'm a low income earner. Investing is not yet for me be, until I make more money. You know, um, no. I'm a, right, right. Um, I'm, I'm a high income earner, but you know, I may not have done a budget yet or um, I may not, whatever. And, and the reason I specifically asked that question is because I want people to see that no matter your income level, no matter how you perceive how much money you have or how wealthy you are or are not, or how old you are or mm -hmm. are not, or how far you are uh, behind the eight ball um, or not, what you're talking about and what you learn in this CFP course is that everybody should be applying this system in their life. It's a practice of saving, of investing, of financial planning for retirement, for emergencies, for your loved ones, for your death. You know, I think I, I just want to make it very clear to everybody that it's your responsibility to, to plan. And that responsibility of planning is regardless, or the word they say don't exist, is, is, is irregardless of how much money you make. You know, because I think mm -hmm. a lot of people are waiting and it's like, but you're losing your most valuable resource, which is time. 
most people I know, like in my family and friend network, when they get to be around 40, they start going, ooh, I need to start thinking about my retirement. Let me pay attention. Okay. Let me pay attention now because 60 is not that far away and 65 is really not that far away now. And I've got children, a mortgage, you know, college loans, whatever. I have all kinds of things here. How am I going to be okay when I'm 65 years old? And guess what? Now I might live to 95. So my money's got to last me 30 years after I retire. So if people can start when they're 20 and really understand the basics, and you're, I don't know if you're going to ask me my favorite book, but I have Please, what is your favorite book? It's called Building Wealth. And when a I beginner, do put it back up, A Beginner's Guide to Securing Your Financial Future, yes. Okay, it's 36 pages. It's simple. And it's a simple read. And it starts really, no matter how old you are or who you are, it starts you to look at, you know, what is your what is a budget? How do I budget? How do I establish emergency fund, even if I only make $200 a week or whatever it is? And what am I spending? Like, how much should I spend today at Starbucks? You know, and if I just gave up that $5 cup of coffee, I could have $35 a week to go into my savings account. You know, and it kind of really helps you to frame out what you're really doing with your money. It also explains a lot about credit card debt. This is actually from the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. Anybody can get it for free. And what I do is I hand this out to a lot of my, the young people in my family. And there are a few who have read it and have taken it seriously. And um, they learn some simple, you know, financial information. And it starts with just getting out of debt and establishing a budget and understanding what you're spending and how much you have. And it ends with really talking about investing and building wealth. And people can take the $5 from Starbucks and start to build wealth with just that. And, you know, they have to find that few dollars and when they're working, you know, put into their uh, retirement plans, whatever they can. A lot of people said, I can't put anything. So I, I show them the math of 4% that they're not even going to see or 3% and say, just put it there and forget it. And, you know, and if you ever change jobs, take it and move it into another retirement plan. But that money becomes your mistake for retirement and you never touch it. I don't care if you put 1% or 5% you know, put something in there and forget about it. Or Excellent. at least invest it in and try to find high growth if you're 20 years old, because you've got a long 45 years runway to make something happen with that. Phenomenal. And we'll, um, so people can get the Building Wealth book on the Federal Reserve website? Yeah, Bank of Dallas, Federal Reserve. It's Building Wealth, A Beginner's Guide. It's great even for you or I to go back and say, well, what have I been doing? You know, really look at your budget again once in a while and say, uh, really, where's my money going? And could I do something better with that? Or even just understanding how much you're spending. And if you're okay with that, fine. But a lot of times we even forget what we're spending until we sit down and write it down. And there's opportunities to grab some dollars out of that no matter how much you make, you know, or you don't make, grab a couple of dollars and say, this is going to be for me to put away. 
Excellent. Now, one thing I do want to ask you, I mean, I, I, I know most people retire at 30 years. I mean, you had the privilege of retiring 38 years uh, uh, because you started at USPS so young. Um, but talk to us about your own personal journey of being 40, being, you know, maybe 50 and, and what, went in, what went into you deciding now is the time, you know, were you trying to hit a certain um, uh, dollar amount, you know, in your own retirement? Were you trying to get, also get a number of years because of the pension? Talk, walk us through a little bit of, the, of your thinking as you started to count down the years for retirement. I would so, say when I joined Better Investing in 1996 or 97, I started realizing some of the things that my money could do. And probably a few years later, when I was 40, I even started like thinking I need to put some money away. And I really like the philosophy of double your money every five years. Yes. So guess what Robin did? She put a plan together to double her money every five years. And I had a dollar figure in my, like my investment pile, you know, a dollar figure of where I wanted to get every five years. And I actually, and I worked with my husband. I did most of the financial stuff in, in our relationship. And I would give him like an annual report, you know, at the end of the year to tell him where we are. I mean, it's really what gets measured gets done, right? And trying to like beat this number that I came up for myself. And I, I made it actually... By the time I was 50, I was making it pretty well. So I was like, I'm doing pretty good. So when I turned 55, I had an opportunity to retire. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it and find new things to do in my life. And I retired and went right to school immediately for CFP because I knew that finance was in my heart. And really, I never stopped. Even when my, my first club disbanded in 2013, I still used all the better investing tools and I, I did the same thing I had been doing for the other 17 years, you know, and I just, when I finally retired, I said, I didn't really want to be a CFP. I didn't even want to have an investment club, but suddenly I woke up one day and said, the invest, I've met these women and they invigorated me. And I said, we're doing an investment club. And, you know, I had my own goals and I basically met my goals. And I think you just have to set goals for yourself. You're not going to always meet them, but I'll tell you, if I get there halfway, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Even if I only go halfway, 2008 right. scared me, 2008 scared me, you know, my, my portfolio suddenly went, oops, you know, cause a lot of the stock market, you know, went down and I am friends that I was investing with in my investment club that I still have relationship with. They were like, I'm going to sell out everything. And I don't really like the market. I'm like, I'm just hanging on for the ride. So I hung on for the ride. And by the time 2010 came, I was back right where I was when I started. So I was exactly. like, this is cool. So that's, right. that, that growth just happened. So when we talked about that chart, you know, over the years, Okay, so I ate crow for about, for my, my own personal crow for about like two years, you know, like, wow, you know, and then it just got back on track. And now I'm, I mean, since 2010 to now, the market's been wonderful. So it'll be scary if it ever drops, but I know the, it's, it's going to come, come back. back. 
That's right. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I have to say, you know, I think that um, your investment club, uh, winning about money investment club, these ladies that you run with, they are so blessed to have you, you know, be um, a member of Better Investing and willing to really invest in them as a club because, I mean, you can't get a better uh, investment club member than a better investing member. So, yeah. Miss Ann. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. I just want to remind all of our listeners that you are listening to hashtag my investing story. And the my in that story is none other than Robin Weir. Uh, she's sharing her investing journey as a volunteer, but also as a retiree from uh, being able to manage her own portfolio along with investment clubs. And so Robin, I, I traditionally sit here and uh, I have to remember that I'm taking notes, okay? Because my note-taking, uh, I, I uh, became so enthralled with what you were saying, I forgot that I was taking <laughs> notes. <laughs> so let me, let me just share with you some of the, some of the thoughts I have. And I, I just, uh, Laura just put something in the chat about when she was listening to your story, she said something about, oh, it sounds like my story. And once you put that in the chat, Laura, the thing that came to my mind is that is exactly why we do this show, why we do the podcast, mm -hmm. because where else can you go and receive unbiased, we have no commercials, we're not selling anything to anybody for any reason other than financial education to help you, each of us become financially empowered with this information. So one of the things that you said, uh, Laura, you said, uh, if you cannot pay for it, uh, don't buy it. Now, if I had a microphone, I'd drop it. That's what <laughs> they call, drop the, that's what they call uh, drop the mic. And then you ask the question, what's in your best interest? Now I took that pun and you didn't intend it to be a pun but the word but the word interest hmm that's one of those financial terms where if you're not making much interest on your money is that really interesting so when you said that I thought about the interest on the interest I used to work at the post office when I was in college so uh, I had memories of what you might have been doing there for 38 years. So God bless you. Now, the idea of having a pension, and as we know now, and Ioni uh, said it, uh, you know, we're all responsible now. So you were blessed to have a pension. And oh, yeah. I put in the chat, uh, the Calvary's not coming, everybody. Nobody's coming to our rescue anymore. Uh, when, when, when Robin uh, was at the post office and now they may still have a phenomenal pension now, but everybody don't have a pension and each of us are, are responsible for that. But what I'd like to do is find out from you if you have any additional books you'd like to share, because the one you told us about a beginner's guide uh, to building your financial wealth, we're going, we have a group of kids that we work with. We call them uh, 
you know, the baby billionaire kids where we're teaching them about investing at a very young age. And this sounds like a very good book for them and for the adults that's helping them. But do you have any other books that you'd like to share? I know you talked about Take Stock also. Okay, I, do, we did, I use text, Take Stock, which is an older book and really does a philosophy on better investing. And um, it was written to really go through how to do a, a stock selection guide. So that was really for us to learn how to do the stock selection guide as a group. But I actually like this book. <laughs> it's called The Little Book of Common Sense Investing. And I like it because it's a little book. Wow. And it's by John Bogle. And he's actually the, the person who started the Vanguard funds. Right. And he's very into the index investing. So it's like, if you want to be in the stock market, buy a few index funds and guess what? You're in the stock market. Then start to learn about it. But what I like about it, because a lot of people have challenges with their 401k, and that is going to be their future. And if they read this book and start to understand how the market works, uh, fees and different things like that and, and growth and what growth is. And, you know, I think this is a great book to read and then think about your 401k and what that's doing for you. Cause usually that's mutual funds, but you know, it, it helps you understand an index fund and a mutual fund and what, you know, what goes into that and how it goes forward. So I just think this little book, I actually recommend it to all my club members and they've read it and they do like it. So it made them start thinking about their whole picture. This is an this is a easy way for someone to just start investing by buying a few index funds. But I believe in the individual stock picking is going to give you the best return and the philosophy of better investing and understanding the companies you're buying. Because this is a an index fund or any fund is just whatever the market is making, that's what you're going to do. But this just gives you an opportunity to really understand what goes into the funds and how to understand how your money grows. Uh, I think it's a really good book and easy to read. I think you just gave many of us a really good Christmas idea for that Christmas stocking stuffer because when exactly, and so with everything happening um, in not just the market, but just um, marketing where, you know, we know that uh, some shelves are empty. So order your book now, <laughs> if you may want to use that as a Christmas gift. What I'd like to do also is, is just ask you about children and grandchildren. Being a grandmother, uh, if you would like to share any special stories about uh, the investment club family investing or investment education. Okay, I don't have a family investment club, but I have a few family members who are definitely investing and started like when they were probably 17 or 18 years old, okay? But I would have rather them start when they were like six. But here's what I think. If you have grandchildren and you're already in better investing and you know what stocks are good and how they might attract your grandchild, you know, because every, every grandchild knows about I'll give an example, McDonald's or electronic arts and their games for their game for their their gaming and their video games. So finding some stocks that might interest your grandchild and buying them a few shares as a Christmas gift 
and let them start having their little accounts and then, you know, start to teach them a little bit about their stocks, you know, and uh, let them tell you. One of uh, the stock clubs I met with recently, they say they get a lot of ideas on which stocks to investigate from their grandchildren who are playing games or doing things or they like a product. And then, you know, they, they actually might be able to teach you something about it. And one of my uh, club members is a teacher. Uh, she teaches, um, I can't remember which grade, but she gave all of her students a thousand dollars and she's having them invest, creating their own little mini portfolios and teaching them about investing. And I think they're like third or fourth grade, pretty young, but they have their money and they have to pick what companies they would like to buy based on what they like to eat and what they like to do, but giving them some ideas, you know, about what they love and how you can maybe integrate them into maybe understanding stocks. I think it would be interesting to see 20, 30 years from now, if one of those students become another Bill Gates or any of those in terms of, yes, you, you never know. Uh, one more point, and I'll turn it back to Anyona. You said something that was so powerful. You said, anybody who wants to learn, I care about you. And I think that that's a model of a volunteer because we, we tend to be drawn to people who have a desire and a yearning to learn more. And if we don't know, we know how to direct them to those who know or where to go. So that, that was just phenomenal. And I just have to say it again. We want to thank you so very much for blessing us. I, like I said, I, I, I missed a couple of um, pointers in the beginning because I was leaning into the camera and I had to remember I was working. So I, <laughs> so I Yoni, back to you. Thank you so very kindly, Robin. This has been phenomenal. You're welcome. A lot of notes. So, so Robin, one of, um, one of the last things I want to ask you is just about um, your involvement with the North Florida chapter of Better Investing and how did you come to the chapter and, and how have you contributed to the con chapter and how has the chapter contributed to you um, to become an even better investor? Well, when I started my club, I had to figure it all out again because it had been a while. And so I called one of the, actually the president of the chapter at the time, it was Phil Crocker. And I said, I need, I need your help. You know, and he kind of helped me a lot, get my partnership agreement, get my operating agreement. He sent me some documents. And then as he's talking to me, he goes, why don't you join our chapter? And I was like, well, I don't know. You know, I've already got my club and I want to focus there and get them off the ground and up and running. And like two months later, he calls me and he goes, aren't you coming to our chapter meeting? And I'm like, huh? He goes, yeah. I said, I'm like in South Dakota at a race, actually. He goes, you can call in from South Dakota. And I was like, so he wrote me in. <laughs> and once I started, I was really, you know, happy to help them. Um, I think I can bring a lot of knowledge and help for them. I started, I actually uh, do the Tuesday training workshop for the North Florida chapter with Dan Harder. I started working with him and we've been working quite well together and putting out a monthly uh, webinar. And uh, I also just volunteered to be the secretary for the board. So I'm moving over to that and um, I do whatever I can to help. I do a lot with, um, I, I was doing the anniversaries for clubs and I'm trying to really engage our clubs that have been around for a long time and really becoming more engaged in this whole, you know, better investing philosophy. 
And I think they've been, the clubs I've met so far, they've been invigorated, I will say at the least. And I'm hoping to see a couple of them come along and become board members and volunteers. The best thing of all though, what I've learned from the board and when we have our like our board meetings, what I learned from all the investors and the other board members, amazing. And you know, Dan, myself, and Jim recently did some portfolio tune-ups. And what I learned, just we actually reviewed these uh, valuation statements from these clubs together. And between the three of us, we really had a great dialogue going. And right. so what we learned. And, you know, there's model investment club. We have a model investment club. Anybody can dial in anytime they want and enjoy listening. If they're feeling like they're not ready to dip their toe in the water, listen in and then see. And maybe eventually they'll either join a club or even join our model investment club. I totally agree. Uh, anybody has uh, knows me knows that uh, the North Florida chapter of Better Investing is, is uh, like, probably my number one chapter uh, outside of my own, I have to say that, but um, I'm always promoting the North Florida chapter because the education is great. The, the model club has always been online since inception, many over a decade ago. And the resources that you all have and how you all as a chapter keep everything updated on the website. I mean, I just sent everybody there. So if you have not yet checked out, please go to betterinvesting.org, um, check out the North Florida chapter, go to their local events page, um, local events tab. But actually my favorite tab is actually the news and articles tab because there are just so many great recordings and, and resources there. And um, if you are interested in attending this Space Coast, Model Investment Club hosted by North Florida Chapter. They meet every first Monday of the month. And if you want to listen in on Robin Ware and Dan Harder do an educational event, they do their TTWs on every first Tuesday of the month. So um, Robin, I want you to have your last words be the words of wisdom, not that you would give your 20 year old self or the, the current young generation, but the middle generation, think of your, your new investment club and those age range of women, what words would you give them to either inspire them to action or even keep them motivated? What would you say to that age range of women between 40 and 60 that really want to start investing? I will say you've been working for a number of years now and you've been saving and you have some money put aside, I'm sure. It's time to get that money to work for you. So when you get ready to retire, you can go and have a great time and always feel secure as you age. And, um, you know, take care of yourself because you're, you're the one who's going to have to take care of you. And that's really what I tell my club members. Make sure you understand what you have and try to capitalize on it and make it the best it can be for you. And definitely the knowledge and never depend on anybody to have the knowledge for you. You need to have the knowledge yourself. Excellent. Well, 
Uh, that closes my investing story, Robin Ware. Oh my goodness. Thank you, my dear. You have been um, such a blessing. And, and again, I'm so happy that someone from the North Florida chapter is on because um, I love to promote better investing chapters and the North Florida chapter makes it easy for me to promote just because of the, the quality of uh, educational events that you all host and the uh, amount of resources that you make available on the, on the website. Um, to BI members and non-BI members alike. It's just phenomenal. So thank you so much, Robin. All right, you're welcome. And thank you, Ioni, for bringing much to South Florida and you know, being an example of a young lady you know, moving on up and doing the right things and all of your volunteerism also. Oh, thank you, Robin. Much appreciated, much appreciated. Miss Ann? Yes, we're going to go ahead and wrap up, but we could not, we would be remiss if we did not remind everybody that Ioni is actually the president of the South Florida chapter of Better Investing. Just in case people were wondering, you know, their the inquiring minds want to know, we love North Florida chapter, but uh, Howard Johnson is on and he's from Atlanta. Uh, well, actually, Howard is responsible for all of us in the South. So we thank you, Howard, and we cannot give you enough love for what you do and have been doing for so many years. But all of you that join in, and I know I, I get in trouble, so charge it to my head and not my heart, but Ann Newman, Angelina, Cynthia, Howard, of course, Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody that come on every week. Bacall, um, so many of you, Laura, always sharing uh, great information, Laura, always, always. So we just want to thank everybody that have come on. And please remember to comment, like, and share this show. Comment, like, and share the show because there are so many people that will only hear your voice. And as we continue to share the best that we can find here on hashtag my investing story. If you'd like to be a part of the program, please um, let Ioni know and they, you can go to the Better Investing uh, website and just, just um, contact her through the uh, Better Investing website and um, the message board. So thank you so very much again, Robin Ware. And we wanna thank all of you and we'll see everybody back here next week same time, same place, hashtag my investing story. And as you know, you can find it on any other podcast. All right. So good night, everybody. Thanks again for joining. Mm -hmm.